Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Now, live and direct from the press box at Old Comiskey Park, it's time for When Football Was Football. Let's join your host, Joe Ziemba, with another forgotten tale from Chicago's pro football history. Let's go! In the long, long history of the Arizona Cardinals, it is interesting to note that in over 120 years, only five team uniform numbers have been retired. But these guys deserved it. In this episode of When Football Was Football, we'll look back at the accomplishments of those individuals while focusing on one member of that illustrious club who seems to have been a bit forgotten. The retired numbers are those of Marshall Goldberg, who wore 99, J.V. Kane, number 88, Stan Maudlin, number 77, Larry Wilson, number 8, and Pat Tillman, number 40. Only Wilson is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, although Goldberg was once a finalist in the senior voting. However, each of these players has made unique contributions to Pro Football's oldest team. Marshall Goldberg was an icon, a true team leader who witnessed the highs and lows of the Cards' resurgence in the 1940s. He was a solid two-way player who unselfishly concentrated on defense to help the Cards catapult to the championship in 1947. More recently, that unselfish nature was evident again as his family allowed newcomer J.J. Watt to wear an unretired Goldberg's fame number 99 jersey when Watt joined the Cardinals in 2021. After an All-American career as a halfback and fullback at Pittsburgh, Goldberg was drafted by the Cardinals in 1939. A two-way player, Goldberg was named an All-Pro four times during his tenure with the Cardinals from 1939 through 1948, although he served in the military from 1943 to 1945. Goldberg was part of the dream backfield that swept the Cardinals to the 1947 NFL Championship with Goldberg switching primarily to defense during the latter part of the season. His coach, Jimmy Councilman, once said, Goldberg might well have been the first defensive specialist in pro football, and he was a great one. He was one of the few backs who consistently did well against Don Hudson of the Packers. And he was a fine returner of punts. Marshall Goldberg may be one of the most underrated players ever to play in the pros. At one time in one season, he led the league in five different departments. Imagine what a player with those statistics could command in today's market. Larry Wilson entered the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1978 after a stellar 13-year career with the Cardinals and which he probably was the most feared free safety in the NFL. Cardinal players of any generation would have welcomed a tough-as-nails type of teammate such as Wilson, who once intercepted a pass and returned it for a touchdown 
with two broken wrists. Wilson was named to the Pro Bowl eight times and was also a member of the NFL's 75th and 100th anniversary teams, selected in 1994 and 2019, respectively. Overall, Wilson picked off 52 passes during his career with the Cardinals, but was widely respected for playing while injured. Columnist Bill Lyon once wrote, In a game that is storied for its ferocity, its violence, and its high threshold of pain, Larry Wilson is without peer in terms of both talent and courage. Ironically, Wilson cracked a rib during his final professional game in 1972, but still managed to stay on the field. Wilson said after the game, in this business, you've got to play with injuries. Immediately after that final game, the Cardinals retired his number eight jersey. James Victor J.V. Kane was a sparkling prospect out of Colorado when the Cardinals drafted the talented tight end in the first round of the 1974 draft. Within a couple of years, Kane moved into a starting role with a bright NFL future in front of him. He later told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, When I first started pro ball, it seemed I was infatuated with that fact. I had so much to learn. I had no experience. But I've had to go through a learning stage each time I moved up in football. I'm used to taking my time in learning. And learn he did. By 1977, he had established himself as a solid blocker and receiver pulling down 76 career passes for 1,014 yards and nine touchdowns for the Cardinals. Then, unfortunately, he tore his Achilles tendon and missed the entire 1978 season. After completing his rehab, Kane was ready for bigger and better things in 1979 as a starting tight end for the Cardinals. Before each practice, on his own, he ran several 100-yard wind sprints before the team workout began impressing head coach Bud Wilkinson, who said, Kane was absolutely amazing the way he conditioned himself. Then, during a routine non-contact passing drill during preseason practice at Lindenwood College on July 22, 1979, Kane collapsed on the field and was later pronounced dead. Columnist Tom Barnage wrote a day later, more than a tight end, he will be remembered as a fine person, one who was called too soon, without warning, without explanation. And some of his words will hang heavy in his absence. He said once, I don't want people to forget about me, during his sideline time when recovering from his injury, and maybe say a prayer for me. No one will forget. There's far too much to remember. J.V. Kane passed away on his 28th birthday. Many will recall the more recent sacrifice of Patrick Daniel Tillman Jr., who quietly gave up a lucrative professional football career with the Cardinals in May of 2002 to enlist in the U.S. Army. The popular safety, who wore number 40, was a fixture with the Cardinals after being drafted in the seventh round of the 1998 NFL Draft. As gifted in the classroom as he was on the gridiron, Tillman graduated from Arizona State in just three and a half years with a lofty 3.85 GPA in marketing. He was also the MVP at linebacker for ASU and the Pac-10's Defensive Player of the Year in 1997. At just 5'11 and 200 pounds, Tillman was initially considered to be too small for the rigors of the NFL. 
However, he quickly made the transition to safety with the Cardinals and started uh, 10 games during his 1998 rookie season. By 2000, he started all 16 games and was in on 155 tackles, 118 of those being solo stops. In 2001, Tillman started all 12 games in which he played and was more important than ever to the Cardinals' defense. Then, in the spring of 2002, Tillman turned down a multi-million dollar contract offer from the Cardinals and enlisted in the Army. After serving in both Iraq and Afghanistan, Pat Tillman lost his life in service to his country on April 22, 2004, in Afghanistan. The final notable of the Cardinals' retired jerseys was Stan Malden, a burly tackle out of Texas who toiled in the trenches from 1946 through 48. Malden was also an integral part of the Cards' front line during the NFL championship season of 1947, starting all 12 games and being named All-Pro by both the UPI and Pro Football Illustrated. A graduate of the University of Texas in 1943, Malden flew 35 missions in Europe during World War II before signing with the Cardinals on February 22, 1946. At 6 foot 2 and 225 pounds, Malden was a big, mobile tackle who was effective from both sides of the line. He injured his knee in a 34-14 win over the Detroit Lions in the second game of the season on September 30, 1946 but managed to appear in six games with four starts after resting the knee. The Austin American newspaper said of Malden, Malden made his debut in professional football with the Chicago Cardinals, and he was called one of the best freshman linemen in the play-for-pay game. By 1947, both the Cardinals and Malden were ready. The team rolled through the rest of the league to capture the 1947 NFL title and Malden was immovable from his tackle spot, earning every bit of his all-pro recognition. The Cardinals were big favorites to reclaim the NFL crown in 1948 and finished the regular season with an 11-1 mark, still the best in team history, before losing the championship game 7-0 in a blizzard to the Philadelphia Eagles. But the team's biggest loss that season occurred in the season opener also against Philadelphia. Shortly after the game, Stan Malden suffered a massive heart attack in the dressing room and passed away at the age of 27. The Associated Press reported on his last moments, saying, as he undressed, he complained of a headache. After he showered, he commented, that was some game we won, fellows. Then he collapsed. Needless to say, the NFL world was shocked by this sudden loss. Cardinals coach Jimmy Councilman said, Malden is irreplaceable both as a great football player and as a man. Perhaps Philadelphia Eagles coach Greasy Neal said it best when speaking of Malden. The National Football League has just lost its greatest tackle. What would become of Stan Malden if he had been allowed to complete his NFL career? It's not unreasonable that we might look at him today as a respected member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame based on both his auspicious start and his incredible potential. But we'll never know. But at the same time, we must never forget. And let us not forget the other members of this elite circle in addition to Stan Malden. 
Marshall Goldberg, Larry Wilson, J.V. Kane, and Pat Tillman, the only five men who have received the honor of having their numbers retired in the history of the NFL's oldest team. Thank you for joining us on this episode of When Football Was Football in the Sports History Network, and please stop by next time for another look at a forgotten aspect of early pro football. But this time we'd like to uh, share with you a short interview that we did with Ken Crippen, who is the founder of the Football Learning Academy. Ken is also the former president of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has spent a great deal of time developing and implementing the Football Learning Academy. So I just wanted to ask you, Ken, what is the Football Learning Academy and what are some of the upcoming plans and objectives for the organization? The Football Learning Academy is an online school teaching football history. Our mission is twofold. First, to teach the history of this exciting game in order to allow people to put today's game into historical context. Second, we're taking a portion of all proceeds earned at the FLA to give to retired players in need. Retired players have been very good to me over the years. They've granted me interviews, they helped me get in touch with their teammates. I've been able to form a bond with these players and I want to give back to them. Not all players, especially the older players, are multimillionaires. Many struggle to pay their mounting medical bills and have difficulties transitioning to life after football. They need help. Therefore, a portion of all proceeds from the FLA will go to help retired players in need. I also want to create videos highlighting players who have been successful after their football career has ended. I wanted to highlight the good work that they do for charity and to improve their communities and the lives of others. There is currently too much focus on the negative actions of players and the positive work is taking a back seat. I want to push that positive work to the forefront and focus on how players are improving the lives of others. The FLA, we teach classes on a variety of topics, whether it's focusing on early football history, the formation of what is now the NFL, or discussing trailblazers and key events in football history. We're here to take you on a deep dive into these fascinating topics, as well as bringing interviews on the people involved with these events. Our instructors are leading authorities on their subjects and have been studying the history of the game for decades. They'll bring their unique perspective and knowledge to our students. To learn more about the FLA, go to our website at www.football-learning-academy.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and we also have a private Facebook group. So go to Facebook and search for Football Learning Academy LLC and ask to join. We look forward to having you in our classes and interacting with us on social media. Thank you so much, Ken, and, and anyone who is listening would like to learn more about the Football Learning Academy, you can go to the website. And of course, uh, Ken is also on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you again for tuning in to When Football Was Football on the Sports History Network. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. We at the Sports History Network are so glad to introduce to you a new addition to our lineup, Gridiron Greats Magazine Podcast. It's a weekly podcast that focuses on the history and memorabilia of North American football since its inception in 1869. It's hosted by Bob Swick. 
the publisher and editor of Great Iron Greats magazine, and Joe Squires, a longtime contributor to that magazine. The podcast was launched in 2017 and has over 150 episodes that you can listen to now on the Sports History Network, as well as your favorite podcast provider. So join Bob and Joe as they go through football history, talking about the memorabilia and the great legendary players and games of the American Gridiron on the Gridiron Greats magazine podcast.